Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Keep listening to find out how you can design your rich life, why you need to change your mindset with money and why timing is not quite everything. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. We're on episode 27. We're almost six months in. Next week, I'm going to be doing a special episode, which will mark six months of the podcast. And I'll be sharing some of my favorite big ideas that I have taken from the podcast and from the books I've read so far and the ones I've talked about so far. And I'll be launching something for you to get involved with as well. So make sure you tune in next week to listen to that special edition episode about the top big ideas that I've taken from the podcast or the last six months of the podcast. This week I'm talking about the book I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Yes, it has a terrible title, it's super clickbaity and, and Ramit talks about that in podcasts that I've heard him on and also in the book because that's that's what sells. But don't let the spammy title put you off. This book is full of gems and loads of great advice about managing your finances. I always find it surprising at how little that we talk about personal finance even though it's probably one of the most important aspects of life along with health and and you know well-being more generally but it's still so taboo isn't it and i think that's that is changing to an extent but it's interesting isn't it because when you think about who you would maybe share other secrets from your life or things that are closely held to you there's probably still fewer people that you would share financial details with compared to who you'd share other details and stories and secrets with. So in the book, Remy is definitely trying to help people, obviously with loads of great advice, which I'll be talking about throughout this episode, but also to change the conversation and really start a conversation in personal finance between people. Now I'll be talking a little bit more about that when it comes to the mini-sode, so make sure you tune in for that later this week. I read this book whilst I was on my Bali reading week a couple of weeks ago and it was which was great actually because it meant I had time to start a lot of the activities but having that time set aside which is what the book is is suggesting you do is having that time set aside to put some new systems and processes in place was very helpful so I definitely recommend reading this at a time where you can take the action because that's the important point turning that knowledge into action. Before I dive into the three big ideas I took from the book, a little caveat. Obviously this podcast is just a few ideas and lessons that I took from the book. This is not any kind of financial advice, so please don't be going and making big financial decisions based on three big ideas I share from a book I read. Read the book, talk to people that you need to talk to for your own personal situation, and don't do anything stupid. All right, as usual, before we dive into the three big ideas, a little bit about the author. Ramit Singh Sethi is an American personal finance advisor and entrepreneur. He is the author of the 2009 book on personal finance, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, and founder of growthlabs.com, owner of IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com, and owner and co-founder of PBWorks, a commercial wiki website. In 2004, he graduated from Stanford University with a Bachelor of Arts, Information and Society in Science, Technology and Society, with a minor in Psychology. In 2005, he received a Master of Arts in Sociology, Social Psychology and Interpersonal Processes, also from Stanford. And when you read his content, whether that's through his newsletter, through the book, through the other emails and and the blog posts he, he puts out, you definitely see that psychology training and how he just speaks to people incredibly well from a marketing perspective. He's definitely got that psychology slant behind it. Most of that information was taken from Ramit's Wikipedia page. Link is in the show notes. 
A little bit about the book. This New York Times bestselling book on getting the most out of your money. No guilt, no excuses, no BS. Just a six week program that works. You don't have to be perfect to be rich or the smartest person in the room or a type A personality. In fact, with Ramit Sethi's six-week programmed financial independence, you can start with any amount of money, do just 85% of what he suggests, and succeed brilliantly through good times and bad. What you'll discover from the book is word-for-word scripts to negotiate everything from credit card rates to cell phone bills to cable bills and even a higher salary. The difference between being frugal and being cheap and why it matters, where you're probably wasting hundreds of dollars every month and how to stop it, and the ladder of personal finance, how to allocate your money so you can save without worry, spend without guilt, and invest with confidence. Now, a quick note that the book I'm talking about is the I Will Teach You To Be Rich second edition, published in 2019, so this year, as an update to the 2009 original book. That information was taken from IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. Link is in the show notes. I've also included a couple of other links in the show notes, one to download the first chapter of the book, one to Ramit's blog, which has loads of other tips and advice on personal finance, and a link to Ramit talking on the Tim Ferriss show. I found the interview really interesting, particularly because it just dives deeper as Tim tends to do, dives that bit deeper as to why Ramit does some of the things he does, how he has grown his mindset around money and personal finance over the years and the things he's seen work and not work. He also shares some quite funny stories about the things he included in the 2009 book and some of the things that have changed and the lessons he learned from some of the things he included in the first edition versus the second. He also shares a number of stories, and this is included in the, in the book, the new book as well, some stories of people who put the actions into place from the original book and then 10 years later, how much they'd saved, how much they'd paid off and generally the impact that the advice had had on their lives. Now, if you want a little bit of an insight into the style of the book, as I said during the intro, it's definitely no BS. Rami is very much around personal responsibility, which is is excellent. I like that a lot. There's a great quote in the book. This is not your grandma's house. I'm not going to bake you cookies and coddle you. A lot of your financial problems are caused by one person, you. Instead of blaming the economy, the, the government for your financial situation, you need to focus on what you can change yourself. Throughout the book, I really like Ramit's writing style. It's very colloquial, it's very easy to read, given it's on a fairly, or what can be quite a complicated or overcomplicated topic. He really brings it to life in a very personable way. Personally, I found it quite funny as well, particularly the stories about his parents and how he's very disappointing. All right, without further ado, let's get into the three big ideas I took from the book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Big idea number one is debt first. It's a pretty short and simple idea here, but the biggest opportunity cost you have to your finances is debt, and particularly credit card debt. Remy is quite loud and proud about the fact that he won't accept anyone who has credit card debt onto some of his courses because they that is the number one thing that needs to change. That debt has to go. Like I said, huge opportunity cost because compound interest in particular is incredibly toxic to your personal finances. There's a number of stories in the book and examples and some tables and and calculations about how much you are actually paying in interest and particularly compound interest if you only ever pay off minimum balances on your credit card. And it actually makes you feel a bit sick when when you look at it. And particularly if you've been in that situation or are in that situation, this is the number one thing to to change. So that's big idea number one, short and sweet, debt first. Big idea number two is time in the market is greater than timing the market. And this is the point that 
particularly when you're getting into investments and things, people can overcomplicate and overanalyze by thinking, oh, I need to time it, I need to wait till the market's a bit soft and the prices are lower so I can get more, rather than just getting in. So they'll sit there and sit again, that opportunity cost, because they're sitting on their money, rather than actually doing anything with it and putting it to work. So not obsessing on those minute details. Don't sit on your money and try and pick the exact time. Because whilst you're doing that, you're actually losing money while it's selling your bank account due to inflation, eroding the value of that cash. As an extra add-on to that, there's a big part of the book and one of the key themes through the book is about asset allocation and how that is key. So the point that's made throughout is it's actually the spread of your risk and your portfolio, which is important. Not necessarily the date or the exact time of day that you enter the market. As long as your asset allocation is, is good and suited to your circumstances, that's the important thing. And by asset allocation, that means how much as a percentage of your investments have you got in things like stocks, in bonds, in property, if that's the direction you want to take, in savings, etc., etc. Ramit throughout the book gives a few different examples and some starting points for what kind of percentages you want based on what you're aiming for. So for example, are you looking to save for a house and want to release that money in maybe three to five years? Or are you looking for more long-term investments? You're young, you may be in your 20s or early 30s, and you can keep money in somewhere for 20, 30 years without it being an issue. So based on all of those things, there's various different allocation models, which Ramit gives as a starting point. The other point with time in the market being greater than timing the market is about staying in. So like I mentioned just then, if you're younger and you've got time on your side, stay in. Don't be thinking about investments and things as a short-term option because the, the penalties for that and also the risk to reward ratio changes. So being able to stay in the market longer is much more beneficial, which does mean not freaking out as soon as things start going down or softening up. Because if you're in for the long haul, those things will balance back out. So that's big idea number two, time in the market is more important than timing the market. Get in and stay in. Big idea number three is challenging your money mindset. And there's a heap of books and people writing and blogging and write doing videos about money mindsets and scarcity mindsets versus abundance mindsets and all of that stuff, some of which gets rather woo woo. This is not the case in, in Ramit's book, as you'd probably expect by now. And in the book, he gives some great examples of common money, either misconceptions or mindsets that get in people's way. So for example, investing is only for rich people. He argues that that's not the case. That's actually how a lot of people get rich is by clever investments. And by investments, this isn't just about buying the next Apple stock or finding the next Twitter or something. This is about investing sensibly. Across a balanced portfolio with good asset allocation. Another money mindset which you hear a lot and maybe a number of you will, will have as well is that buying property is a good investment. I was really pleased to read this because I'm, as personally, I don't find the property investment thing super attractive. So it's interesting to read in the book his perspective on that and which gave me some different things to think about. Particularly the challenge that when people say, oh, well, actually, you know, I bought my house for, I don't know, a quarter of a million dollars. I don't know what house you're buying for that in Melbourne for a quarter of a million dollars, but let's pretend. So quarter of a million dollars, and I then sold it for $400,000. Great, you've made $150,000 on, on paper. But actually, when you include the legal costs, the stamp duty, the, ta you know, the other taxes, the interest you're paying on that, plus all the improvements and things that the kind of cost of running a house, 
have you really made any extra? Plus, that extra usually gets piled into the next house or a bigger house, so you're not really using that investment. It's just going into more debt. Now, Ramit does say that if you do have a balanced portfolio or asset allocation, then maybe property is part of that, and that's great, as long as it's not 80% of your portfolio because you've then weighted too heavily. It's really interesting then to think about property investment in that way as part of a balanced investment portfolio, which is something I hadn't really thought about in that level of detail before, and to see example percentage allocations of property to other types of investment. The other money mindset that I found really useful was the idea that there's there's a limit on how much you can cut. There's the limit of how much spend you can stop spending. However, he argues that there is not a limit to how much you can earn, which is something that a lot of other personal finance books don't really go into. They really focus on what you can cut. So he talks a lot about not having to give up your lattes because you see all these things in the in the paper or online about, oh, if you stop having a coffee at $3.60 a day, then by the end of the year, you could be a millionaire because look at how much money you will have saved, which is fine, but not always that realistic. Now, this isn't that you should just keep on spending all your money on everything, but it's being really conscious. So with Ramit, he talks about having a conscious spending plan and the idea of spending extravagantly on the things you love and cutting costs mercilessly on the things you don't. As I was reading the book and thinking about this and putting some of it into practice, this really caused me to think about what am I frittering my money on? And where could I find those things that I don't really care about, but I'm spending money on anyway, and cut those mercilessly? In the book, he gives some percentages on how much of your monthly or weekly income you should be spending towards living costs versus savings versus investments, etc. And in that, there is a pot of money or a percentage allocated to fun money, to money you can spend extravagantly, as he uses in the book, on your lattes or on clothes or on shoes or on holidays, whatever it is that are the things that you love and bring you joy. And it's all relative to your other spending and your other income and also any debt that you need to pay off as well. I think so often, similar with diets and, and health type things, people feel like they have to go without anything fun if they are paying off debt or if they are saving towards something. But actually there's ways of doing both. And those are more likely to be sustainable as they aren't as restrictive. There's also an interesting thought in the book around when you grew up, what was the money story that was told in your house? Was it that money doesn't grow on trees, for example? Or was it that, oh, well, you can't take it with you, so you might as well spend it? This is quite an interesting one or a fun conversation to have with friends or have with your your partner to find out how that has affected how they spend and think of money as adults. Finally, in the money mindset area, a lot of the book is about designing your rich life, which is unique to you. And this will change over time. So for him, when he started out, when he graduated college and made a little bit of money through investing and through starting a business, his idea of a rich life was being able to order a starter or an appetizer when he went for dinner. Because growing up and when he was studying and at college, that was never something available to him. If he went for dinner, it was just the main course. So his idea of a rich life at that point was being able to order a starter. Now that's obviously changed for him over time as he's become more financially well off and and successful. But finding what for you would be a rich life. And it might be being debt free. It might be being able to get an Uber to work if it's raining rather than taking public transport or walking. So it can be things that you feel are incremental, but will move you in the right direction. This is quite a fun thing to do. And it's not necessarily the, oh, what would you do if you won the lottery? Because that's kind of a different conversation. 
but this is the everyday things that would make life a bit easier and what your days, your weeks, your years would look like if you had additional income and if you had the rich life. Now, I know some people, when I've talked to them about this, have almost balked at the idea of this rich life because it's so commercial and it's so consumerism, etc. It doesn't have to be. It might be that your rich life looks like being able to give X amount, thousand dollars to your favorite charities or to be able to live in a way that is more eco-friendly, but you aren't in a position to necessarily do right now. So this doesn't have to be superfluous and buying lots of things. It can just be living in a slightly different way. Of course, it can also be flying first class everywhere in your own private jet. So that was big idea number three, challenging your money mindset. Quick recap of all the three big ideas that I took from the book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Number one, debt first. Number two, time in the market is more important than timing the market. And big idea number three, challenge your money mindset. As I've hopefully put across already, I really enjoyed this book. I found it incredibly practical and helpful. Now, quick note, this is very US focused, the book. So a number of the products, the banks, the institutions that he talks about aren't maybe available in other countries. I know certainly in Australia, all of them aren't. A lot of the rules are a bit different, the tax statuses, etc. Again, don't let those minutiae put you off because it's the fundamental principles that are the most important. So just because a Roth IRA makes no sense anywhere else in the world, Google what that equivalent is in your country. And a lot of the times it will probably be your pension fund or your superannuation fund or whatever your the name of that is in your country. But focus on the principles, not the minutiae detail of, oh, well, that's not available in my country, therefore I can't do this. That's not taking personal responsibility. That is deflecting action. It's also a great book to read maybe with friends, with family, with your significant other, because it helps open up some of those conversations. Maybe even with parents, which is an awkward kind of thing to think about sometimes. But thinking about what this could mean for you as a family or for you in a partnership or you with your friends, if you're all doing this together, because this kind of that kind of accountability and having more open, honest conversations about money and personal finance in particular is very healthy. If you've read this book, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. You can comment on Instagram on one of my posts. I'll be posting about this book during the week or drop me an email or a LinkedIn message. All of those are available and all of those details are in the show notes. Otherwise, in the meantime, happy reading.